Welcome to Timothy Eden Memorial Church, a place for life. Connect, participate, celebrate. Well, once again, welcome on this Pentecost Sunday, this glorious uh, day when we celebrate the the pouring out of the Holy Spirit onto the body of believers, onto the church. And so today is a celebration of the establishment of the Christian church. And so it's very fitting that on this, our fourth installment of the Start With Why uh, sermon series that Orville and I have been doing over the past few weeks, that today's topic is why church? Why church? Let's begin with a word of prayer. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you continually pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on your church. And we pray that this morning as we worship together, that you would whisper into our hearts and draw us closer to you. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So just in case you were starting to think that Orville has all the good jokes, <laughs> I want to tell you a joke this morning. I, I can't promise that it's a good one, but, 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 I, but it's pertinent. It's relevant to, to the topic today. So there was a pastor who was uh, serving at the only church in a small town. And so, you know, he knew everybody in the town. When you, when you have a church like that, you're kind of, you're not just the church pastor, you're the town pastor. And so he knew everybody in town. And he ran into one gentleman who didn't come to church on Sundays. And so he approached the man on the street and, uh, you know, and said, hey, you know, you're always welcome. I hope you know, like, I, I never see you in church, but you're always welcome, and we'd love it if you would join us one day. And with a scowl, the man responded to the pastor, well, I don't go to church. I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And so the, the pastor was taken aback for a moment, but then he thought, and he he rubbed his chin and he said, you know, it's not true that the church is full of hypocrites. He said, there's always room for one more. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> We're all imperfect people, are we not? And everyone inside the church and everyone outside the church we are all imperfect people, and the church is not perfect, that's for sure. And yet, and yet every Sunday morning, millions of people throughout the world, in every country, on every continent, get up and make their way to their local church. Uh, some people go to a local church, but in our city, it's becoming more and more common that people will actually drive past, and I bet there are a number of you here this morning who drove past probably a dozen churches along the way to make your way here. And so 
people are doing this every Sunday morning. Millions of people making their way to church. And they do this to worship Jesus as a part of a community of fellow believers. I think for me, this past couple of years have really shown us what a joy and a blessing and a privilege it is to be able to come into this wonderful place and to see the, the thoughtful and friendly faces of, of other real life human beings as we all gather here to worship together. Seeing other people is such a, a blessing that we used to take for granted. I don't think we take it for granted anymore. It's, it's shown us just how much we truly need this time, this space, this place, these people. The joke that I told you though, it, it does point to a sad reality that over the years, over the years, the church has turned off a lot of people in one way or another. And I wonder why, why is that? It has been common over the centuries to, to come to think of the church not as a gathering of good, perfect people who have it all together, but as a gathering of people who know we haven't got it all together, right? And so we come together to receive God's forgiveness and to learn and to grow and to overcome our own tendencies to error slowly but surely, and to give and receive encouragement as each one of us tries to live a better life. At its best, the church provides that kind of place. The church provides such a place. Unfortunately, the church is not always at its best. And at its worst, the church has the ability to push people away, not just from the church, but from God. And that, and that is really sad when that happens, when people, when people are, turn away from God because of what they've experienced at church. I want to take a few moments then to begin today's sermon on why church with the question, why not church, right? So what are some of the barriers that people have in our day and age to belonging to a church? What are some of the reasons people stay away from what we think is a wonderful place and a joyful experience? Knowing why some people elect out of church can point us to why we need to be the church in the way that God intended for it to be. The first barrier that's often named for why not church, why people don't come to church, is bad behavior. There's some bad behavior. There's a book uh, that I read a few years ago um, by Wycliffe College professor John Bowen, a great uh, professor, it's a great book. Um, and his book is called Growing Up Christian, uh, Why Young People Stay in Church, Leave Church, and Sometimes Come Back to Church. Now in this book, he reports on personal interviews that he had with hundreds of young people, young adults, 
you know, in their 20s and, and 30s who grew up going to church. So they know the church, they've been a part of the church. And he asked them about their reasons why at this point they were either part of a church or not part of a church. Just over one third, a third of respondents who had lost their faith said that it had said that issues related to bad behavior on the part of church members or leaders caused them to lose their Christian faith altogether. A third lost their faith. And of those who still held on to their faith but have left the church, two of the top three reasons that they were turned off the church, again, had to do with bad behavior. What kind of bad behavior are we talking about? Well, when we think of it, when we think of bad behavior in the church, we might be drawn right away to think about the biggies, like sexual or financial misconduct, um, especially among what we read in the news among clergy and church leaders, because that, that's what makes the news, right? That makes a good media story. Um, church misconduct, people love to read about it in the news, and, and sadly, there's not really a shortage of such stories. But it's not just that, according to the respondents in this survey. Despite the news stories, there are, those are actually much rarer than what most people said they witnessed that turned them off. So what turns young people off church, what turns them off more often are the petty quarrels, the infighting, the lack of forgiveness and people holding grudges against one another, the power struggles, gossip, self-centered behavior and angry outbursts that they see in the church. And it happens because we're all human, right? Over 21 years of ministry, I have seen uh, plenty of bad behavior in the church that could drive people away. <laughs> Most of it happens at meetings or small groups or via email. But when it happens on a Sunday morning, it will drive away visitors and seekers. It will drive away people who are looking for a place to connect and belong. And I'll give you a couple of examples of things that I have observed over the years uh, in, in different churches. At one church, where they, they said their, one of their goals was to attract young families and att attract younger members, uh, there was a young family that started coming for several weeks in a row, and they had three small children, and they were there every week until one week when a member of the choir not this choir, a member of that church's choir uh, shushed the children so loudly that it was heard up in the balcony. The kids were a bit restless that week. And that family never came back again. One Sunday, I was visiting a church. I had a Sunday off. I was visiting a church, and I thought I'd go and check out a friend's church. And, uh, and I sat waiting for the service to begin and watched while two men, grown men, probably in their 60s, 
old enough to know better, started having a fight with one another, a yelling fight with one another about whether or not to open the window. <laughs> and they, they finally, one of them rushed off said, saying that he was going to tell the minister about it. And, <laughs> and then they came back, the service started, they had the passing of the peace, the minister took one of the men down to the other for them to shake hands. And, and, and the man tore his hand back and would not shake hands with this man he'd been fighting with. And I tell you, if I had just moved into that neighborhood and was looking for a church to join, I would not have gone back to that church <laughs> again. The, bad, the, the problem with bad behavior, and I, I'm sure that in these situations it's the case, the problem with the, this bad behavior in the church is that when you're in the midst of it, you don't see the, it as a problem. You think it's normal, right? It's like when you're part of a family. You just, everybody's got their quirks and you just kind of get used to it, right? And, and, and so in the church, we think we're like that. We think we're a family and, you know, don't worry about him. He's just like that. And maybe we all love each other. But the truth is that nobody wants to join somebody else's dysfunctional family, right? <laughs> You'll accept your own family's quirks, but you don't want to join somebody else's dysfunctional family. So that can become a big why not for some people who are looking for a church. The second barrier that was um, identified to people, to young people especially, coming back to church was a perceived disconnect between what happens in the church and what is going on in day-to-day -day life. And that's, I'll confess, that's why I left the church when I was a teenager. I grew up in the church and all of my family was involved in the church and I went to Sunday school and was confirmed and, and all of that. But after that, after I was confirmed and there was no more Sunday school for me to go to, I, I was expected to join, the, to attend the worship service, I, I found that I had no interest in attending church services. And the reason was that I had never been a part of it. It wasn't my space. I'd, I'd always gone out to Sunday school, so it didn't really feel like I belonged there. And I didn't understand what was going on and it had nothing to do with my life as a 15-year-old girl. So for a couple of years, I went to um, the, the Baptist youth group, as I've mentioned before, but there I experienced much of, the, <laughs> much of the bad behavior that I was talking about earlier. So I went back to my United Church and, and taught Sunday school for a couple of years, but eventually I just you know, found other more seemingly relevant things to do with my time. Christian uh, blogger and author Carrie Newhoff is a pastor from uh, Barrie, Ontario, and is, has, been co has come to be known throughout the world. And he writes that many young people give up on the church because the language and traditions they experience are so outdated they have nothing to do with the reality of their hectic, fast-paced, high-tech lives. A lot of churches over the years have therefore tried to 
adopt the fast-paced, high-tech culture as a result of that. And personally, I am not one to toss aside uh, 2,000 years of Christian tradition. I think that th this is a big part of what a lot of people need right now. And I'd rather explain it and, and teach people what, what it means. Why do we do the things that we do? I'd rather encourage young people and, and, and some older people, to be honest, to put down their phones for a few minutes and, and quiet their minds and come into the space and be present. Be present to each other. Be present to God. Be present to your own spirit. Take a deep breath. Be mindful. Be aware of your surroundings. That's what I'd like to do. We have a problem if the only reason that we can offer them for why we do what we do is that's how we've always done it. Right? That's how we've always done it. We don't dare change it because great Aunt Mildred would be upset if we changed it. Right? We forget that great Aunt Mildred has actually been dead for 50 years. Right? But we don't dare change things because that's how it's always been done. And if that's the only reason we have to offer for why we do what we do, it's not going to be enough for people who are seeking. Newhoff writes that people are going to church looking for God and are having trouble finding him. And he continues saying that the paucity of personal experience of God is disturbing. And I think that sounds really harsh. But the truth is that many churches across our country and across North America have given other things, other things like social activities or political activism or entertainment and so on, have given these things higher priority than the true purpose of the church, which is to help each other know God and experience his presence and walk in the way of Jesus. That's the priority. And, and that's the one thing that only the church has to offer people. People can be part of a loving community, can be involved in social activism, can experience the joys of music and theater in a lot of places besides the church. What they can't get anywhere else is a knowledge through the person of Jesus of who God is. And that's what people are searching for. In the past, many people came to church for a variety of reasons, right? Social norms and, and expectations or, or even social connections. But that's not the case anymore. That doesn't bring people to church in our day and age. Now, if someone gets up one morning and decides to go to a Christian church, it's because they're looking for an experience of God that will give meaning to their lives. Newhoff says, though, that nowadays, more and more people are actually leaving the church in search of God. One noted senior pastor and, and leadership teacher uh, from a large uh, church in the States once said that 
The local church, when it is working right, is the hope of the world. And that's why church. That's why church. Because when it's working right, the church is the hope of the world. There's another book called Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Church and Why It Matters by David Kinneman. And in his book, Kinneman writes what I think is a very clear answer to the question, why church? He writes, church is a place that is meant to be very different from anything else we may experience, other institutions of family or workplace or social clubs, because it connects people across boundaries. It's meant to be a beautiful expression of what human relationships ought to look like between people of different age groups, genders, racial and ethnic backgrounds, and vocational arenas. It's a great example of why we have to keep pursuing the church in its ideal form. The church, at its best, is a true, loving family and a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And it's distinguished by relationships of harmony, of dignity and respect, and of love. People should come to church and experience something they don't find anywhere else. And it should so impact their lives that they know they have experienced the presence of God. It is the hope of the world. The hope that the frenzy and the fast pace and the high tech and the frustration and the pressure that we experience in our day-to-day -day lives is not all there is. So as we've been intentionally making things a bit more personal in this series, how do I answer the question of why church for myself? And it has a lot to do with what I just said. As a minister, I, I said I've, I have seen churches at their best and I have seen them at their worst. So why is the church so vitally important to me? First, I feel like the church helps me to become a better version of myself. In the church, I have encountered a lot of people a lot of people over the years and a lot of people who think differently from me, but who are trying to live faithful lives, sometimes under very trying circumstances. And these people, you people, challenge me to grow and to not give up hope. I know people who take a different position from me on important issues and, and knowing what they believe and, and knowing that I disagree and knowing that we have both arrived at our positions prayerfully and, and seeking God helps me to keep my feet on the ground and not think that I have all of the answers, right? So I feel like I become a better person by interacting with a variety of people, by listening to other people's perspectives and trying to understand 
even when I don't agree. And the second reason why the church is so important to me is that the church is where the embers of faith are kept burning. A lot of people will tell you they don't have to come to church. They can worship God privately at home, on their, in their backyard, out in the woods, and they don't need to, be, to go to church to be a Christian. And it's certainly true that we can experience God some in those places. And it, it's certainly true that anyone can be a good and decent person without going to church. I know lots of people who don't go to church who are wonderful people. But Christianity has always been a faith that is meant to be lived out in community from the very early days. Of, and when you read in the Bible, it was always meant to be lived out in community. Christianity is not a lone ranger faith. And part of that is because the true test of our faith is how it affects our relationships, right? How we relate to other people. In community, we love and serve others, right? It's not just all about me. In community, we hear the scriptures and discuss the beliefs of the faith with, with one another. We pray for others and they pray for us, right? We can't do it by ourselves. Pentecost, the celebration of the church, is symbolized by fire and if you look at the cover of your order of service you'll see that there's flames on the on the cover and it's and and if the thing is if you remove an ember from a fire it quickly grows cold right and the same is true of our faith when we get out of the habit of coming to church when we get out of the habit of meeting together with other believers, of being part of the community, it is very, very easy to lose that sense of fire and excitement about our faith and devotion to our faith. When I finally returned to church after a few years absence in my, in my teens, it was because I wanted to know God more deeply. I wanted to know who God is and what is God's will for my life? I wanted to know more about what the Bible says and who Jesus is. And at church, I'm able to have those discussions and, and think more deeply about what the meaning of all this is and hear from other people what their views are. And I can ask questions and learn so I grow as a person. Being deeply involved in a church, in the church, the church universal is not always easy. But I would not be the person I am today without it. In the church, I have been loved, I've been encouraged and supported. I'll be honest, and there are times when I've been run down and on occasion even seriously mistreated. But even those experiences have helped me to learn how to lean more deeply into God, how to rise above it, how to trust in God, how to become a better person in the face of that, and, and how to become a person who is growing in the image of Christ. The church, for better or for worse, is the body 
of Christ. We can't truly love Christ unless we love the church, his body. Thanks be to God. Amen.